Greetings, friends, from the sunshine state of Florida. I am incredibly excited because this week I will be joining a large number of my fellow Overland missionaries and the greater Overland community at our annual One Tribe Missions Conference here in Melbourne, Florida. With some great worship and powerful speakers, we are going to be setting the tone for our year in the presence of the Lord. It's a free conference, so please stop by or join us on the YouTube live stream. For more details, check out OverlandMissions.com. The theme of this year's conference is Do Whatever It Takes, one of our mottos here at Overland Missions. And today we're joined by someone who exemplifies this motto, Dan Hoimi, straight from the desert of Angola. So be ready. It'll be an amazing episode. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Gospel and Grit. We invite you to the front lines of the gospel where our Overland missionaries are pioneering to remote peoples. Our goal is to empower you to grab the gospel and get the grit to do whatever it takes to fulfill your calling in Christ. Well, we have Dan Hoyme with us this morning. Welcome, Dan. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, thanks. Awesome. Good to be here. <laughs> Man of many words, Dan Hoyme. <laughs> uh, Dan is the head of our team in Angola, I believe. Yep. All right, cool. And uh, him and his family, well, I'll just let you talk about. Tell us about what you're doing over there, how long you've been a part of Overland. So. Yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, Rachel and I are the country directors of Angola. Um, right now we have three families and some budding new teammates coming along, which is exciting. Yeah. And we arrived in Angola in 2000, January 2016. Um, Rachel and I actually committed to come to Angola in 2009 when we were living in Zambia. And then it took us yeah, about seven years to actually get here between a uh, graduate degree and as a nurse practitioner and language study and fundraising and visa waiting. So, but uh, yeah, I, I joined Overland Missions in 2003 hmm. and uh, have, um, I think, uh, filled almost every um, role within the organization at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're very excited to be here in Angola and, and just excited what God's doing. Awesome. Yeah, Dan has, and they've been veterans with us. I'm pretty sure you helped develop the AMT program, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I was the first director of it. It started in 2007. And um, yeah, so I, I, I was the director of it from 2007 to uh, halfway through 2010. Mm. Awesome. So yeah. as a uh, veteran staff, I would love to hear your insight about our little slogan. So those of you who don't know, we have a slogan, uh, any road, any load, any time. Um, Dan, I would love for your insight on why we chose that and what that means to you and your mission. Yeah. Um, any road, any load, any time. Uh, I think it's uh, brilliant to um, the, that phrase. Uh, uh, obviously, Philip chose the phrase, 
And um, I'll probably get the story wrong as to why he chose it, but I think he actually saw. I think he actually saw it on the back of a truck in Malawi or something like that. Yeah, it's like it's a trucking company. Yeah. So, um, but kind of a more recent phrase we've been throwing around the last couple of years is "do whatever it takes." Yeah. And and so I think both of those phrases um, emphasize. Um, Orland Missions, our commitment really to to go to the ne- neglected and unreached, and we say a lot that you know we don't not go to cities because we don't like cities. Um, and currently, we you know we have missionaries in cities, but uh, we decide where we go based upon um, if people are neglected, if people are unreached, and and uh, oftentimes. You know, we choose to spend a lot of time, energy, money, and, you know, battle the, the elements to get to the few. Hmm. And uh, certainly that's our situation here in Angola. And, um, but generally, I, I, you know, if, 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 if you were to populate a map around the world of concentration of missionaries and where they are on the earth, uh, probably the big cities you'd find about 95 percent of them and then the more remote areas you just they're just not there so so what does that look like you talked about what the angola situation is can you explain a little bit about your current uh mission over there yeah so um currently we're mostly reaching out to the mukubal tribe which is which is a very fiercely traditional tribe and they've chosen to stay um, separated from the normal Angolan culture. They dress traditionally, uh, but uniquely, the the Mukubal aren't the only tribe, even in southwest Angola, that fit that description. There's about three or four of them, and some of them we didn't even know about before we got here. We only learned... Um, uh, you know, as we started reaching out into the villages and as these different tribes were coming through and just passing through some of the, uh, the Mukubal tribes. And, um, but yeah, so we, we live in a small city, but then we, we take our vehicles and caravans to camp amongst the villages. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a very, very remote, remote setting with um, people who, you know, you know, you ask them, had they heard of Jesus? And, you know, no, who, you know, they think he's some guy living today. So, yeah. You might have some people back here uh, in podcast land who are hearing about the things that Overland's doing, people like yourself, and they like, really would love to do something like that. But they're looking at their family, they have small children. Um, can you tell about like your family situation and what it looks like to be a missionary with a, a family working in these remote areas? Yeah, it's a good question because when we committed to, Rachel and I committed to come to Angola in 2009, we did not have children. So uh, when we got here, we had two children and now we have four children. And so I would say the mission is the same, but just logistically... Uh, you know, there's more things to consider. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's more money. We had to buy a bigger 
caravan that sleeps six, you know, uh, we had to, we had a vehicle, uh, that we had to, you know, custom fit some seats in to fit, to fit everybody in cause we're carrying translators and stuff as well. So, um, I mean, all of our families currently here in Angola all have kids. And so I think it's, it's very manageable, very doable. And, um, but it's, yeah, I mean, you have to be on top of things like, you know, illnesses that are easy for kids to get in these type of environments. And it's certainly, certainly not impossible. It can, I think can seem very daunting, especially to a first world mindset where you hear about all the terrible diseases that you can catch in third world places and stuff. But, um, Mostly you can buy medicines where you need to and, and uh, find, usually find fairly good medical advice, you know, where you are and, and, and that sort of thing. So. so one of the things I've heard you talk about um, as we were planning for this podcast was empowering the individual missionary, um, not so much micromanaging. You know, there's, there's no playbook for what you're doing. Right now, there's no manual. Like Overland doesn't have an official how to be a country director manual, right? Um, so, what does that look like as an organization, and how have you seen that uh, affect your team and the way you go about your mission? Yeah, I, I think it uh, affects different people different ways. Um, I'm the type of personality that that presents a good. A, ch- a, a good challenge too. Like I appreciate that challenge of not someone dictating to me. I do do this step, then do that step. Others are uh, they're more structured. They actually would prefer to have those rules and steps all painted out. So I think on your team you're going to have all different kinds of people. But um, I would say that we have a team, especially well. Well, none of us, when we arrived here, really had experience ministering to a tribal people who had never, ever, ever heard the gospel before. And not just like going to them on a two-week expedition, but engaging them with the gospel um, and then looking to, you know, get converts and then make disciples. So um, I think we found that it's a slow process. Like it's, 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 in terms of uh, when you're doing the everyday things, the, 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 how the concepts that people are grasping. and But um, we did a lot of brainstorming together as a team as to what should we do here, what should we do there. And and so I, I think it takes, it. Uh, you know, I think another aspect of Overland Missions is teamwork. We're very strong in team, and I think it takes the team to help think around all of the obstacles when there isn't a manual but yet I think it leaves room for ingenuity and the Holy Spirit speaking you to give you ideas that aren't just written down for you, but, you know, that he can inspire in, in your hearts and in your minds, you know. Mm. So I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm visualizing in my head that first time that you encounter the Mukabal people. Uh, give me a testimony of what you said, what their response was, um, just kind of paint a picture for me of what it looks like to engage a people like that uh, the first time. Yeah, I, I know for me it was pretty intimidating. Um, and so we, we, were, we were really praying about, like, you know, how you do you first engage 
them with the mess, the, you know, the greatest eternal message, spiritual message that there is. And um, the Lord really uh, spoke to us to start using parables as simple yet very profound stories. And their culture is basically the same culture of the people of Jesus's time in terms of pastoral and animals and agriculture. And so we started out just telling those stories and they were incredibly receptive. Hmm. Like, I mean, it was like, it was really a Holy Spirit inspired idea because they could relate with all of the, uh, you know, the, um, the parable of the lost sheep, you know, and, and, and things like that. So, but yet it was, they're the type, they're the type of people that if, if they're not interested in what you're saying, they'll just, just get up and walk away, like literally in the middle of a meeting, which is very not, uh, African in a lot of respects. Hmm. Um, usually tribal African culture is very polite uh, they kind of maybe will tell you what you want to hear, uh, but these guys are, are very different. So uh, I think it just took us, uh, we had to come in with also a learner, learner's mindset of, um, you know, we're, we also need to learn how to relate to these people and to these guys and their culture because we're in their setting. But um, yeah, and I mean, there was a lot of, you know, just, people stopping and staring at the caravans and thinking our caravans are little stores that are going around and selling food and so wanting to trade this and trade that. So, but yeah, it was, it was, continues to be an adventure. That's right. I love <clears throat> knowing you. Um, I feel like you're a very logistical minded individual. Uh, and yet we're talking about, listening to the Holy Spirit, operating in the Holy Spirit, when you engage with these people. Um, is it like a balance or um, like how do you how do you handle those two different things? I feel like one is very, like, like very pragmatic, uh, like handling the logistics side of the mission. And then there's this the Holy Spirit side where you're listening to him and you're adjusting and you're flexing. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I I would call myself a very like pragmatic person, and I think uh, I think you definitely need to be in in the type of environment, especially that we're in, where you know it can be 130 degrees, and you got to make sure you got enough water, and you got enough food, and you know all that sort of stuff, and taking care of your family, your team. I think it's just the posture of your heart, you know. Like I think we've learned to become complete reliant upon the Holy Spirit for the thing that's going to break through and reach the people because um, you know God gives us our natural gifts you know whether it be practicality or you know, I don't, you know music or however we're wired yeah. and we and those are also used he uses those in the mission but I think no matter what we have to just be in a sense, on your face before him just saying lord give us your strategy for these areas give us your uh and i find that he really does that you know i i i honestly i i know the two can battle against each other but i feel like um as long as you're in the word as long as you're praying uh, as long as you're uh, um 
choosing to, you know, work out your differences amongst your team, you know, so you're, you're doing things to stay that you're walking in the spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit is always the one who's actually more dominant, you know, and doesn't mean you don't make wrong decisions, but I feel like, you know, you just, it's that posture of your heart, I think. That's good. That's good. All right. So you've been in for 15 plus years serving the mission with Overland Missions. So if you were to look back at yourself in 2002, 2003, feeling the call to missions, give some sage advice to that individual. What would you tell that individual? Yeah, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I had a, I graduated university. I had a civil engineering degree and I had been on two summer mission trips with Overland Missions and it was it was mostly just like I, uh, you just kind of have to jump in with both with both feet and you know all your arms and toes and everything, um, and yeah, and I actually remember the very my very first assignment with Overland Missions was leading a team in the Amazon in two thousand three for the summer, um, and. It was just like, I felt like the Lord also threw me in the deep end on purpose. Like I arrived and I actually had forgotten all of my money. Um, And so I had no money to rent a boat or to buy food and the team was coming in a week. And so, uh, and I didn't actually know where I was staying in the city where I landed. And it was like 9 p.m. at night. And um, anyways, like, I feel like the Lord will, will force you into those situations where you it is very intimidating but it's where you can see him move on your behalf and as as he begins to do that for you i think he begins to show you listen i'm with you this whole way it actually is less much less dependent on you than you think and um although he you know he does require our our mouths and cooperation and that sort of thing but you just you just got to do it you like don't um you know, to get get advice from your mentors and, and, you know, don't walk into something in a sense, like Jesus said, without counting the cost. I think sometimes, especially Pentecostals can just run into things and they don't count the cost. They don't think through it. They just figure the Lord's going to do everything. But we do have a role, but, but at the same time, there has to be that radical faith that just jumps in, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. trusts God to uh, where, where you finish to, to to make up the lack, you know? I love it. The will of God, I think, is something that a lot of people weigh extremely heavy. What is the will of God for my life? And yeah. um, as someone who's been recruiting a lot for the last few years, I always tell people it's harder to make a case not to go biblically. Mm. You know, and I, I just I affirm the, the, the sage advice you would give to your former self. Just do it. Just go and see what happens. Um, I, I think just that running after God, he's always going to be there to guide your steps. But when you're just sitting, doing nothing, it's hard for him to, to mm-hmm. guide you necessarily. To give an example from uh, physics, you have what's called uh, static friction and moving friction. Static friction is the friction, the, the amount of force that it takes to... Uh, get an object that is currently 
stopped in motion. And that amount of force is greater than if something's already moving and you need to, you know, uh, you know, move, you know, move its direction. You know what I mean? Or, uh, there's less friction on the tires of a vehicle when it's moving versus when it stops. So yeah, if you just start moving in a direction and you pray about it, even if you've kind of made, you know, if that's not the full direction, God's going to have you go in, uh, you're, you're, you're listening to his voice and you're practicing it. Therefore you're much more likely to end up where you're going to be than if you just, you're scared to make the first move, you know? So good. Yes, yeah, somebody who's been through it, been in the field, he bears the, the marks and the afflictions of Christ. That's very wise. <laughs> and Dan, I thank you so much uh, for joining us today. You're awesome. I hope to make it over there soon and uh, hang out in the caravan. So um, those of you who don't know, the greatest need in the mission field today is missionaries. Um, The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Um, And so if you have any inclination in your heart at all, uh, please just go. Find a team, find a good team, and go. And we know that God is going to do amazing things through you. Uh, you'll have incredible stories to tell your grandchildren someday. <laughs> so, um, praise God. Dana, thank you so much. We're praying for you guys over there as you win the Nukabao for the kingdom of God and all of those tribes of Southern Angola. And we just play blessing over you. Thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gospel of Grit. All of us here at Overland Missions would like you to know that we believe in you, that there's a place for you in our organization. Your first step towards changing nations is to visit overlandmissions.com.